Welcome to The Great Unlearn. Join me, your host, Cal, as we dive deep into understanding and undoing the programming within us. Let's find your inner truth for a life with newfound purpose and freedom. Get ready to question it all in The Great Unlearn. You're the first recurring guest on The Great Unlearn. How about that? Besides myself, I have a couple of solo cats under my belt, but you're, you're the man. I love it, man. I love yeah, it. I love I do, to be on the show. I do too, man. I'm so grateful. If you haven't listened to the show before, then you'll need this intro. But if you've listened to probably any of my episodes, it seems like Boyd finds his way in his teachings uh, into a lot of the stuff that we talk about. But I'll, I'll do this just to give everyone the same starting point. Boyd is a storyteller, life coach, tracker, and wildlife and literacy activist, sharing his home with lions, leopards, snakes, and elephants. You could say he had an unconventional upbringing growing up on the Londolozi Game Reserve in South Africa, surviving a harrowing black mamba encounter, a debilitating bout with malaria, and even a vicious crocodile attack. He found that his truest challenge was that of discovering purpose. You'll discover more within his books, Cathedral of the Wild and The Lion Tracker's Guide to Life. Now, I gave up my last copy yesterday, and I think I'm into the high 80s now in the number of copies gifted. But uh, I love the way it just unfolded. That last copy went to exactly the right person. Now, anyway, he's, uh, he's worked extensively over the past several years in ceremonial spaces as an apprentice to a Peruvian shaman while facilitating his own system of coaching through his Track Your Life retreats. And for those of you who don't know, I did attend that retreat last summer and it was magical. His mission within these treats is to help you find more meaning, purpose, and inspiration in your life. He does this through equipping you with a mindset and psychology of a tracker whilst giving you the tools to navigate in dimensions of your life. Again, I've talked about my experience there. Uh, I was thinking about it this morning, Boyd, and um, we got to figure something out because I'm going to, you know, like I was going to have one group of guys coming. As I've launched this podcast and you've become much more prominent, um, there's going to, we're going to have to figure something out to try to accommodate all the men and women that want to, want to come to South Africa. So. I guess we'll get together. It, we'll get together with don't, Rich and figure that one out. Don't threaten me with a good time. So. <laughs> <laughs> well, where oh, are man. you? Where are you right now? With um, and one other thing, I want to say, Boyd is going to be. Um, he's been gracious enough to sign on to the great, uh, the great, well, the Unlearn Experience, which is a an online mastermind, which will end with a retreat here in Austin. Uh, Unfortunately, he won't be in Austin for the retreat, but he's going to be part of the the group of mentors and teachers and experts that I bring in. So I want to thank you in person uh, for for signing off for that, man. It's it's super grateful. Absolutely, man. What a pleasure to be a part of it. You know, I just think you're doing such great work and looking forward to getting the crew to South Africa, looking forward to hear how the retreat goes in person. I mean, 
I just feel like experiential spaces and coming together in community in any format right now is the most important thing we can do. And so, you know, thanks for being a, a hub for that. Yeah, man. Well, you know, with that in mind, like what would, and I, I do want to know, like, are you having any, there's no retreats scheduled, I'm guessing right now, given the, the current situation. Oh man, it's uh, Londolozi, the reserve that I grew up in and the lodge that my family has built over the last, you know, 80 years or so. Uh, not a guest uh, in sight at the moment. Obviously, no one's traveling. Um, and so there's, there's this amazing thing going on where like where our business is not functioning. And there's all of the, like, like I think a lot of people are going through this, all of the anxiety that comes up about that. But then there's also been gifts in it. You know, there's, it's really, um, the last, over the last 10 years, we've been building a sustainable village. And really, we're seeing the benefits of that, that now. We're living off the land. Uh, we're able to feed a lot of our staff out of our gardens and um, with some meat that we're harvesting off the land. Uh, we're recycling our water. We're living close to the earth. And it's kind of, it's kind of terrifying and it's kind of magical at the same time. And the reserve itself is just, you know, not a, not a safari vehicle out there, not a guest out there. So it's, it's kind of, it's been an amazing th experience for me because uh, I feel like I've gone back in time and been able to experience this huge, empty, silent reserve, kind of like my great grandfather would have experienced it in 1926 when there was just no one here. And so huge challenges and, and huge gifts and just trying to, you know, hold those both. Uh, at the same time, I think that's the that's it right there in a nutshell. Like to be able to to see that what's going on right now is really hard for a lot of us, in in hard for everybody in their own way. But there's also a, a, a lot of th this opportunity, and you're certainly uh, you speak to it. What's going on at Londolozi? But I know for us personally, we've spoken about it. Just the opportunities we've had as a family, like it's kind of all you had for a while, and with the shelter in place and it's uh, it's okay to, you know, people, people were getting shamed for saying like, Oh, this has been a great thing for my family or my business or whatever, because other people are suffering. It's like, it's okay if it's, it's both. It's like that whole Buddhism idea. Like it can be both folks. Yeah. And there's no doubt that, um, that there's been tremendous suffering, but people have also learned a lot out of this. And, I've had a lot of conversations with, you know, people from very different backgrounds saying this has, this has been bringing us into awareness around some of the, just some of the ways that it maybe has not been working over the last, uh, you know, however long. And, and so there's definitely, there's awareness being one way or another, this thing is generating awareness. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's up to us to, to choose to go into that awareness or yeah. to, you know, distract ourselves, which happens. Um, but that's the, and we, we know that's where the, the juice is, the, that supreme challenge where all the ways that we've been are called into question. And we're able to kind of go into them with courage and say, well, maybe I haven't been doing this right. And that's okay. But what's the better way to kind of move forward through that? Yeah. I mean, and for me personally, um, you know, it culminated in the moving forward of this experience that I've been talking about maybe for four or five years now, which is 
to go and explore the archetype of the mystic in nature. I wanted to go and live in this tree in the wild. And it's one of those things that like, I've always wanted to do it, but you know, there's always something more important to do. There's something coming up. There's, and, and I was kind of like, I was always just pushing it back. I always was making a little excuse just to move it back and get it on the roster, but move it. And then when COVID came, it was like, it was, I just felt like, you know, everyone said, okay, no more excuses, buddy. It's time for you to go and be in solitude and it's time for you to go and be alone in nature and see what you find there. And so in some ways, like the beginning of my lockdown was the, was like the shove into this experience, which I'd been somewhat resistant to, but then just opened me in the most amazing ways. Uh, and so in a way I was like, I was grateful to COVID for giving me the push in some ways. Yeah. And, me out that tree. Yeah. And that's obviously one of the main reasons I wanted to get on with you today is I wanted to talk about, um, on some level that experience and, in, in I've mentioned this before, but go to Boyd's uh, podcast, Track Your Life, and listen to season one. Uh, I was, I went to go pull a few clips for today just to play some nuggets, and it was literally like just throw a dart at the board, and it didn't matter which one I chose. There was so there was it was so rich with your experience and you being able to articulate what you were going through in a way that was really. I, just, I kind of blown away what you're able to write to. Like, good God. And I was talking to our buddy Gunter the other day. I go, ah, and he, he and I were sitting down. He's like, you got to listen to this part. I forget which one it was. It was maybe 39, day 39. We listened to it like five minutes of it. I go, how does, how does he do it? He goes, see, dude, he's in nature. That's it. Like, that's the key. Like, everything's open. Oh, and obviously, there's some, some ability there that you've worked at, but... Dude, it, it was one of the most, and, and if you listen to it, if you listen to the beginning and then you listen to like 10 days in, yeah. I've kind of like, uh, you, you hear this incredible shift in the voice. Um, and part of what is happening is I'm, you know, I think of those first 10 days as a kind of shedding. Like there was just so much stuff breaking off me. There was so much of a kind of mechanical mindset. There was so much tech brain. There was stuff, it was stuff just like, I could feel it breaking off. And as that happened, it's, Cal, it was like one of the craziest ceremonies of my life. It was like this feeling that I was just becoming still enough and nature started giving me these experiences. And the space and the stillness of not just like diving into your phone to check something, not just diving into an email. It's like the space just started to open up and just insight, thought, connection with spirit, um, memories. Like at one stage, there were like old memories just like bursting up, like vividly daytime. I mean, I thought I was going a little crazy bird there. Like daytime <laughs> visions of like vivid memories of like, you know, the girl I kissed when I was 12 and like the first time I got punched and the first, just like all these memories just coming up. And so it was, it was kind of like shedding first. And then once, once that shedding had happened, there was this period of about, of, that I think of as simplifying. And I was dropping into the state of pure being. Like when I woke up every morning, the best way to describe it, I'd wake up. And it's not like I had a plan for the day. I would just be like, oh, now this. Oh, now this. Oh, now this. Oh. And then I would rest for a while. And then I would get up and I would wash pots. I would clean something. I was always like busy around the camp. 
I was out tracking, but none of it was out of like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to, that just fell away into this like really like in tune place. Um, and things became super simple. And in that simplicity, life just got like so full. Um, and yeah, it was, it was so strange. The more simple it got, actually, the more present I became and the more presence was like more life. It was, I was just so engaged with what, the simplest way to say it is what I was so engaged, whatever I was doing, that's where I was, whether I was tracking, whether I was, you know, building a, <laughs> like a shelter because the rain was coming, whether I was watching some elephants that had come down and were drinking next to the camp. I was just where I was for the, like for the first time in a really long time. And time started to bend in this really strange way too. Like, you know, like day four, I'm thinking to myself, like, geez, I have got 36 days alone to go out here. You know, and there's definitely that voice of like, shit, that is a long time. It's like, it's a lot of Boyd time. You know? and, and then like, and then like, I would drop into the phase where like, a week would go by and I don't know where it had gone. And then suddenly I'd be like, okay, now I've still got 20 days to go. That's still a long time. But then like, then it started to feel really short towards the end. So time was breaking down. Um, and the, the central thing was like, I wanted to know why the mystics went to nature. And I, I think I got it. You know, they went because there is an infinitely deep, deep, deepening stillness there. So you just can keep getting stiller and stiller and that environment starts to take you into it naturally. Um, they went because you are relating to everything around you. You're not, you're, you're in like a kind of connection with it. And when you are attuned to life like that, it's showing you life is so intelligent. The way the birds move around the camp, where the elephants know where to come drink, how a porcupine knows a specific place to get food. There's just this intelligence around you and you start to know that you're a part of that intelligence. You can't miss it. And you, and it's very, it, it's very, um, it's like, it becomes very impersonal. It's not about Boyd. It's, I am an energy that, ha, that is in, that is infused with the intelligence that is in, infusing this whole field of life around me. And that is a very deep feeling of being connected to God. Oh yeah. Wow. I mean, a lot, you got a lot coming up for me there. Uh, yeah. So much, I mean, our lives by and large, I'll just speak for myself is spent through just my perspective and what's going on and how I relate to everything, but in, on an individual basis, right? Me, uh, subject object, not how I move through that space. Now there are moments where I've had that. And sometimes whether it's in ceremony with plant medicines or in that kind of deep peace, maybe, you know, on a silent retreat or something like that. But, you know, in large part, well, not to make this about me, but I, I'm about to, the reason we, I wanted to move this podcast up a day is I'm, I'm intending to do a five day dieta here. Um, wow. Well, Love it. And it's to, to your point about how you got kind of nudged like, hey, dude, you can't you can't put this off any longer. This just came yeah. to me recently, maybe a couple of weeks ago. And uh, I'm like, I can't really do it because I got my family here and da, 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 da. And then all of a sudden, Peyton is up in Idaho with two of, you know, with Bo and Hope. 
and I'm here with Jake. Now, Jake has a girlfriend now, and he's all of a sudden he's got a basketball tournament he doesn't want to miss. And so, <laughs> yeah, it's, yeah. It's, so it's he and I here, and everything opened up for me to be able to do this because he wants to spend time with his girlfriend when he's not playing basketball. And I didn't have an, any excuse to not go into this. And, yeah. and I didn't want to do this podcast afterwards because I wanted, I wanted you to kind of help kick, kick this thing off for me as you, through your experience and just guidance. Like, what do you have for me? Cause my intention, as you can imagine, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm intending to commune with that divine feminine. And I feel like I've hit a wall because it's all still like this learning piece and inner work and inner work has had a, a, a certain intensity in doing about it. I haven't just really surrendered to, to, to experience, to like experiencing it. It's all about that. So I've done all that kind of background check and yep. I've, I, I can't go further into it without actually being in it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a, it's a same, it's such a strange thing with inner work because like kind of the, the big kind of the big, the big trick in it, the big joke in it is you do all of this work <laughs> uh, to realize to realize at some point it was nothing to do. You just are. And yes. you're, and that, and you're, and the way you are, learning to accept that, allow that, that is actually the great gift, you know? So you're, so, and it's continuous, you know, it's a circular, you do, we do, we, we keep doing it and we show up for our practice. And, but then where we always <laughs> land is like, there's, not, there's nothing to fix. Yes. You know, that's like this. So, but I mean, yeah. So you've got this thing coming up. How many days is it? It's going to be five. And now, and I talked to Peyton about it last night. And uh, so we're renting a house up there that's actually right on the lake. And she's like, it's so magical. She goes, you can do it up here too. And so I may do a five day here and then do another, you know, five or seven days up there. Um, Okay. Well, I mean, a few things come to mind. The, the one of the, the first thing that comes to mind is like, you've got to get the tech out of your life during this time. You know, so you need to lock your phone in a box and just like as best as you can like really shed that really shed it because it's super subtle how even if it's just like i'm going to check it once a day yep. it starts to pull you out um so that's the first thing the second thing that i would say is don't try and do the dieta well oh you yeah know, like you've got to dude you know and you know i'm a three enneagram <laughs> yeah. and so it's fucking challenging <laughs> yeah yeah like how do I how do I get the most one of the one of the sort of failure modes is how do I get the most out of my dieta? How <laughs> <Yeah>. do you- <laughs> I've already I've already said this. Yeah. 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 How do I do this right and do this well? And the actual key, like the art form, is to slip the bonds of how you think it should be so that it can show you what it wants to be. Ugh. You know, it, it can show you what it wants to be. And that, that is a kind of, uh, while I'm talking to you, an elephant just walked out on the, the, the far bank of the river. That's oh, interesting. What's the elephant it's, medicine? Uh, yeah, it's a remover of obstacles. Mm. Um, so, so maybe that's, you see, like, as you start to talk about a ceremony, it starts to weirdly constellate, like, from Africa. 
an elephant comes to you via this conversation? Don't you find the field? Oh, in, 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 when I was on retreat with you, remember Big Tusker? I mean, that was the yeah. moment of the then, whole retreat yes. that just took me away. That I, that I had that experience of I am part yes. of something way more intelligent than I can even understand, but I, yes. I felt Are it. Are you giving me that? I remember that. Okay, so now, like, that's funny. Take, take elephant with you into the ceremony and ask. Um, don't try to, no tech, don't try to do it well. Take elephant in with you. Um, Firelight is your friend. You know, alone, and I know your house, it's beautiful out there in the garden. You know, be out there by that fire a lot by yourself. At, be out there at midnight, be out there at 3 a.m., be out there just, you know, in the, at unusual times, you know. You're gonna so make that, me, I'm, and, I'm getting emotional right now. Oof. No, yeah, I mean, it's got beautiful. I can feel the energy on it already. And then the other thing I would say is follow your body because um, it's a really great way of letting go of like and some of these do it well, the rationales, how to follow your body. So eat, eat only when you're hungry. Um, notice your energy through the day. And like if you feel your energy drop, like go with it just follow your energy and like go lie under a tree in the garden just even if you drop for 10 minutes um like go with it uh sleep sleep when you're tired and um, be up when you feel energized um just follow let your let your body take you to where it wants to take you around your space you know i don't know if you where you're going to be but like it will take you so follow your feet and you know that's an amazing thing because when you start to give up like the thought of like, I'm gonna, I want to be comfortable here. I want to be there. No, just like be like an animal, like let follow the comfort. If you feel energized, follow that. If you want to move, follow that. If you want to be stationary, follow that. So just follow your body. And that's all of those things are going to start to put you in touch with spirit. And what I, what I really love about the way you work is, and this has become a big thing for me is like, we have to, we have to live lives, uh, where insight can find us. And the minute you start to break your patterns of your daily rhythm, and I love that you're actually doing it in your house because you have patterns there. Mm. You know, you have ways you normally do it. I wake up, I do coffee, I meditate, I work out. I, but now this is, you're going to disrupt all of those patterns to follow and be in a different way in your own space. <clears throat> and what will start to happen naturally is now as you start to, open that space by, by like approaching it with this different openness and intention. Now spirit is going to start to show you now uh, the plant, the diet is going to start to show you and then just see, it will start to give you insights. It will start to give you insights. Um, so those would be some of my thoughts from the tree. Um, talk to the nature around you. Um, ask, you know, really ask, like go outside. If a, if a question's coming up and say like, question is like how do i grow the impact that i can have and then ask a tree tree um you know tell me mm. and then look and uh, contemplate that tree and see what it starts to show you you know i remember i asked the tree and it said to me you know make sure that before you try and go outwards like go down into your roots create enough foundation create enough base so and just and play with it like that it, it's an art form to like slip your own rational mind and let's and let yourself be in a different conversation with life um, and it is a conversation, you know, the dieta 
won't be exactly what you think it's going to be. <laughs> and it also, it also won't be exactly what spirit wants it to be. It will be this thing that you kind of make together. And it'll be a bit of spirit, a bit of what you want, your agency, the way spirit wants to shape it. And that's, that's the dance of the mystery. You know? So I'm really I'm diving into the sort of the nature of ceremonial encounters and archetypal encounters. Um, and that's, man, it'll come. It'll come. I feel that I feel, and I feel like, uh, yeah, just, it's, it's so funny. And when you, when you were here, we, we discussed the Enneagram and without going too deep into that, I did mention it. Um, but I, I recently came back to it a couple of weeks ago and I got it. I didn't get it when you were here. I was like, oh, it sounds kind of cool. Like this makes sense. Uh, but I, I, I read it and I'm like, oh motherfucker, this is me. Oh my yeah. God. Oh my God. Dude, I went through a phase because, you know, people either hate the Enneagram or they love the Enneagram. Yeah. Like no one's in the middle on the fucking Enneagram. <laughs> deep love right now. <laughs> yeah. So like, and initially I was like, the Enneagram personality <laughs> test. Like, no. But then I started, I started using it in ceremonial spaces. So, you know, the whole journey of the Enneagram is from personality patterning to essence. You know, and, and as you start to evolve, you become less patterned in responses and, and you become more essential. And so what would happen is I would say to people like, watch yourselves now as we all interacting, socialize. I'm the this guy in the group. I'm the funny one. I'm the, the. now let the medicine come on and watch us all go into essence together. You know, this is in groups where there's a, like, you know, it's a sort of a group group. Um, and watch how, how we are when we're in our essence naturally. Uh, the space changes. So it's really beautiful. Like ceremony and Enneagram was a really funny combo. I could see. And it's, it's, it was interesting. I went to go do another test and I totally screwed it up because like half of the answers were like what I am, like when I'm in like unconscious and it's just letting my instinct take over. And then the other half is like, okay, when I'm like fully integrated and aligned, who am I? It's like, well, that's, that's where, that's where you eventually, I guess, want to land, but it's all about what's that unconscious patterning. Right. And then I find, so our friend, Mike Regulo is, he was staying here before he moved into his place. So he's moved to Austin now. Oh, awesome. Yeah. And so here I am, I'm a three and Peyton's a two and Mike's a four. And I'm yeah. like, obviously, they're twos and fours. Mike's a four. Yeah. Mike's a four. He's such I mean, a four. It's, it's, it's crazy. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah, and so um, it's been fun to kind of play around with that. Um, and that's part of what I, we're going to... Can I, can I, can I um, say that, like, uh, maybe you'll have to edit this out, but, like, M Mike is, like, one nope. of the most amazing dudes, like, Navy SEAL artist. I just love his Venn diagram. And dude, he's uh, say so. To your point earlier, this time has given him nothing but the opportunity to go into that artist sensibility and that feeling, and it's been awesome. He's really—I I mean, I don't want to speak for him, but he feels alive and on purpose right now. It's really cool. Oh, I love that man. That's great. Yeah, it's been—it's been awesome to watch him really kind of come full of life and it was simply well can can you share with people um our when you were here in austin by the way i looked at the picture of of all of us 
A lot's changed, brother. A lot's changed since that photo. Holy shit. It's crazy. Yeah, and it was just like gathering and being yeah. together. Yeah. Um, yeah. I get it. But, but our friend Mike, who's a former, former Navy SEAL, um, you were having a conversation with him and you're just like, boom, you're like, how did it come up for you that he was an artist? Uh, you know, I, I think we just started talking and, you know, my, my system, uh, from years of working is I, I just start tracking, you know, I start, uh, listening, I start watching, I start noticing. And every time he started to speak about, uh, the next, he was sort of in a phase where, uh, you know, he was, he had to drive across the country and every time he spoke about the opportunity to be at an art show create something, um, you know, be involved in some kind of creative process, like his whole energy changed and his whole demeanor changed and like a look came over him and I could just see uh, the more he spoke and we were just getting to know each other, shooting the breeze. And uh, I could just see every time he touched that place of like using the creative force that was inside of him. Uh, it just, his, his most wild essential nature was just there for me to see. And so we started to play with the identity and sort of say like, um, hey, why don't you just try this on for a while? Like, just, just like, try it. Like, start saying to people like, when they ask you what you do, just say, like, I'm an artist. And he's like, but I'm not an artist. I'm like, yeah, you're an artist. You're just like, <laughs> you're just not officially one yet. But that's like telling you who you are. And so we just had this really fun time of him, uh, you know, and, and what an incredible like, you know, uh, like identity that he's been in as, as someone who's been in the armed forces and, and, you know, been in combat and done that sort of work. And now this, and I was fascinated by it and I respected it so much because it's an incredible thing in life to let ourselves let go of the roles that have defined us and let something new come into us, let a, let a new track emerge. And his was, his was really big. And I, and I'm always amazed by people who are like able to, to let the transformation take them, you know? Yeah, it was. It, and again, it's like kind of like the difference between the dieta. It's like not trying to transform, letting the transformation take you, let, letting it be the lead as opposed to your idea of how you should do it. That's, and, that's the art form of transforming. Yeah, and, 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 uh, and yeah, we definitely had some fun with it. But there was um, everybody just kind of dropped into that and said, Mike, you're an artist. And, and we did, but if it was t- tongue in cheek just to bust his balls. And this, the fact that we're even talking about him right now is going to make him cringe. He's like, never know, wants to be about I'm, him. I've kind of got it in my head that he's going to be mad. Yeah, this is his, about it. That's okay. He's Sorry, like, Mike. <laughs> he's no longer but, in I mean, seal mode, so we're safe. But that was cool too, because, you know, once, um, you know, one of the things is like when I've worked with people, they've said like, ah, oh, you know, I'm, you know, sometimes people who've had serious trauma or, and, or, or just any, any one of us, like sometimes when we're trying to develop an image for our future, like trying to work out what is our dream. Um, and sometimes we're like, you know, like I can't get to it. Like, I don't know exactly what my dream is. And people start to think there's something wrong with them because they, they can't tap into their dream or their vision of their future self. And I'm like, well, maybe you're not meant to, like, maybe we were meant to dream together. Maybe we were meant to come up with new stories and new pathways together. And one of the cool things about being in a ceremony and is like, we can't always see ourselves. So sometimes in that community, someone gets to see you and say like, Hey, 
you know, I'm not, I'm not locked in the idea that you're a military guy. To me, you're an artist. And suddenly the way other people see you start to unlock, oh, okay, here's some other avenues. So I feel like we're meant to, to dream together, to see together, to see each other in community as a way of helping us all kind of find that track. Yeah, and, and that was what's cool about being at your house. It was like all of us were kind of like half teasing him, but it was opening up this different vision. Yeah, and it's it's you know in in a lot of ways saying, dude, we we we're here. We support you. Like we actually see you this way. And um, sorry, my Mona's barking a little bit here, so I may just throw it to you to talk for a bit. But um, it's. It's interesting. It's part of the reason we moved from Chicago was this that idea that if I lived in Chicago personally, I would always be seen as Cal the ex-trader. Just never, ever be able to shed that identity. And I moved to Austin. No one really even understands what trading is. It never really comes up. And, you know, I'm just like in really good shape. And so I just look like I own a gym or something or just go to the gym a lot. And so that helped me start to create a new pathway and, you know, it's interesting, and I know you actually talked to Mike about this, this idea of, of having identity is useful as long as we don't become really attached to it. We just see it's kind of our way to move through the world, but we don't have to truly identify with that if that, may, if that makes sense. Can you explain that a little bit? Yeah, I mean, it's, and it's a, like, you know, if you, if, if you look at uh, like the Eastern the Eastern mysticism, everything is about like shedding the ego, being egoless. And I do think that that's a place that, you know, is a, an attainment that is a wonderful thing to get to. But also like we do live in the world of form and we, it's, it, can be a, it can be very creative to construct uh, certain levels of ego, egoic identity as a means to play in the field of life. You know, so that's where, in ceremony work, you know, usually what happens is like the first, the first like three years is a kind of deconstruction. And what happens is you realize that there was a whole lot of programming put into you about who you should be, how you should, like what's successful. All, these, all this program was laid down in you. And as you do ceremony work, you, you just find all this code that was, you thought was you, but is actually not you. And you start to shed it. And then you end up in this like empty space. And it's like, well, now what? Fuck. Um, yeah, it's like, okay. And then part of, to me, the joy of, of, of that kind of play is, well, now you can start to add things back, but of your choosing and, and of your agency. So you can say, you know what? That piece where like, I've got a little band of like, go-getter that won't quit, um, that's actually helpful at certain places. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to keep that for the right place. Um, there's a place where I can be like rigidly stubborn. I'm going to keep that. There's a place where I can be, you know, and so you can add things back and that's where it becomes like identity becomes really creative. Like, oh, you know, it's actually, it allows me to do more work in the world when people frame me as coach tracker. Um, okay. That's like, that's not, that doesn't, can never really hold who I am, but like now we've got a place to start creating. And it's like the, the old Buddhist thing where, um, where Buddha would hold the bird. And every time the bird would fly off, he would drop his hand so it couldn't push off of him. And so part of what a little bit of ego does is like gives us a place to start playing because like now uh, coach tracker, okay, 
So I can tell you this about myself. You can tell me that now we've got a place to start having a dialogue and start playing and creating and, and framing ourselves in the world. And it becomes very, very creative, actually, if it's not identified. If you're not, this is who I am. This is my, this is my power. This is what makes me valuable. This is why I should be respected. This is why I'm successful because of this. You know, when it's like held from a distance, like, no, it's just a place to play in the world of form, if that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. And, and, and I love, uh, I think in order to get to that point, it's just important for, I think, for everyone to recognize that you have to go through that, that period where all those things dissolve away. And, and, and on the other side of it, it, there is pure like liberation in choice but in the shedding of that stuff, it is terrifying because those, that's all you knew. That's all you, that's, that's how you thought you were supposed to create value in your life. Yeah. It, and, and it's actually, it's so well said, you know, the first phase is always um, the shedding, the disintegration, the deconstruction. And in that phase, the war cry is always, and, and, this is almost always where I meet people in, who are in a transformation. It's like, it comes through a couple of ways. Like one, you, you arrive at a place in your life where, every, where nothing in your life, it's all great, but none of it like, is bringing you to life. So it's almost like the call to change is that there's just no call. Like nothing here is sparking you. It comes via a catalytic event, you know, so... You were the CEO, and now you're not. Uh, you were a husband, now you're not. Um, it comes through like seeing something and knowing that's my future. So no, that one's quite rare, but occasionally you'll be in something, and you see something else, and you're just like, that's it. So it either comes out of like an emptiness, a catalytic event, or like this huge urge, and then now you're in the change. And the, that first phase is like, I don't actually know how to change. And that's okay. Like, I don't know how this process goes from here. But then you start noticing like things that grab your attention, like Mike and, and the art. You know, things start to, you, you feel yourself pulled towards things. You start noticing every time I'm doing that, it starts to energize me. You start to, and now, now that's a phase where you're being shown like what's more you, what, what is actually calling you, what makes you feel alive. And but there's no action in it. You're just starting to attune to like a different way of being. And then the next phase then becomes like actioning, like, like you gotta, you gotta start like taking those things and working out how to make them something. Yeah. Excuse me. It's like we were talking about before we started recording this whole notion of not knowing, which is not readily accepted in our world. And, and we were saying it's become magnified on how little we actually know because there's so much misinformation out there about, about all things, whether it's the, the virus or what's happening here racially um, accepting that, surrendering to that, I know for me personally was, has been such a gift. And now listen, I still fall back into the fucking, the I know mindset. I know that's where the resistance and the suffering comes in for me. And so if I can just let go and just go through and connect to my own experience to whatever it is. And if it's about the virus, it's like, how does it make me feel? What do I think is safe? What do I think is responsible? How do I f take care of my family first? How do I take care of my community? What, what, 
And it's another thing that we're not taught. You know, it's really kind of conditioned out of us, especially for men, is how do things make us feel? Mm. And so that's been yeah. hugely useful for me as, as you know, in this period of, of not knowing and being okay with it. Yeah, and, and I keep thinking too about like, as you say, um, the feeling is like knowing in different ways too. So like, I can't tell you rationally, like, I can't say, I can't say there's a, it's a good plan to do this, this, and this, but when I'm doing this, it, it, I feel enlivened. I feel expansive when I'm with these people, I feel energized. Um, so again, then like tapping into a whole different way of, of knowing that is that you don't have, that you just kind of know in the moment as opposed to like knowing. Yeah. Well, 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 and I think with that in mind, um, there's a few things that I keep coming back to, which I learned on retreat last year. Um, and I just want to, I've got a few clips keyed up here. I've been so on being honest and kind of proud of myself that I'm like a DJ over here. I've got this little soundboard nice. and I can bring stuff into the conversation. Hey. But, but can I say something? Cause I mean, it's been cool because I've been also watching you um, in this like radical transformation you've been in. And what I always love about, um, what I always love about your work is that you, you played in the world, you know, you played in the trader world, you played in the, you know, in that whole scene. Mm. And I know it's a part of yourself that you're, like, you're almost like, that's a different person who did that. But to me, it's always like amazing that you, you know, that world and, and then you transition because then you're a bridge. You know, you're a real bridge between different ways of being. You've done the private jet life and now, now you're about to go into your dieta and go inward. So you're, you have like, you're starting to, you've got this real range, you know? And then like, I get your newsletter all the time and, and I love your newsletter. I think it's great. Um, and I think about like where, like where we were a year ago, where it was like, man, it's such a fucking grind to get this thing out. And it's like, just let it come when it'll come when it's ready, you know? And, and I guess what I'm saying is that when we're in a transformation, um, there are certain things that just seem like insurmountable obstacles whilst we're in it. And then we look back on it a year later and it's become a, naturally a part of like, it's just in the, it's in the, it's a log in the river now, you know? Um, and it's just, it's fun to look back on those things and see, see how the insurmountable becomes natural as we are willing to sit in transformational tension. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Oh, thank you. And, and uh, it's funny it, to your point about the newsletter uh, previous to this Sunday, the two Sundays previous, I didn't send one out because I didn't have anything to say. And I'm like, yeah, it doesn't fucking matter. Like I don't need to do it because I said I was going to do it on Sundays. And so it felt really good to let go of that and not make an excuse for it or anything, just to not send anything. It's like, I don't have anything to say that feels like it's me. So why am I going to yeah. waste your time and my time? Man, that, that's another thing that came up for me a lot during the, the time in the tree is like, Hey, I'm the I'm the architect of this experience, yes. and I noticed this place where I also did this thing where it's like, I'm gonna, you know, if I see another tracker out in the bush and I've said that I'm gonna be alone, am I breaking the rules of my experience? It's like, yes. I'm I'm the creator of this. Like, yes. I'm not I'm not gonna like go back to the camp and have twenty beers with everyone because that doesn't feel right to me. But 
Like if I end up tracking a line with someone else, like that's fine. And and finding that balance between like knowing like, hey, I'm in my integrity with this. I can create it like I want it. It's that rigidity. It's like letting go. And that is a, that's big medicine for me. And it had just happened this yeah. morning. I went to go do a little workout and sauna and cold plunge. And before I sat down with you and I was going to, I was going to do like a 10 minute workout. And I stopped after like seven minutes. I'm like, I'm done. I'm good. Like yeah. I don't have to go to 10 minutes. And what's cool about it is like initially, like, and that's such a great example. You know, that, that thing where like you, you have to develop the discipline to do it. Yes. You know, like, but then once you've got the discipline, actually at higher levels, it becomes much more subtle. And it's not like I'm just going to do this because I say I am. I know I can do that. Now it's about feeling like how much energy do I have on this day? And I can trust that like there are going to be days when I can really push it. And there are days where I can walk in the gym and say, I'm getting a no. And it's not a lack of discipline. It's like a no and walk out. And like that discernment is it's a much higher level of knowing. Dude, I love, yes, yes. Thanks for bringing that up because that, that like, that's it. That's yeah. the next stage. That's the next phase. Like you, it is important to have those practices. I mean, I've talked about it before with going into mindfulness. Like I needed to approach that with that intensity of learning how to do these things until I realized I was just doing these things to do them. And then I, I let it fall away and I could actually be with them. It's what's useful. It's like it's, yeah, it's form to leave form. Like yeah. You develop the structure and ultimately the structure gives you the, the discipline and the framework. And then as you master it, you leave the structure mm. and you can drop in and out of mindfulness when you want. You can, you, you train out of that inner knowing. I mean, it's form to leave form. That's, that's the highest way, man. And yeah. that's, I guess what I'm saying to you for the dieta too, is like give yourself enough structure that you can leave structure. Yeah. And well, and you know, one thing that you said earlier that it's probably no coincidence, but talking about me and my experience being kind of a bridge, I've, I've, I've deeply felt that. And in fact, that's what I felt like the podcast was really about was me bridging two worlds like this, almost more metaphysical and some ways esoteric for people. And, and for me to try to bring that medicine I would say like make it bioavailable for the masses because they don't have the time to go out to Sedona and go on retreat or go to South Africa or sit in a five-day silent retreat. So what can I do? How can I make that an experience that they can connect to and then potentially have their own experience with it? And in the book that I'm in the process of writing, you'll, you'll actually appreciate this as well, but, uh, I talk about that, like the Sharkruna, the bridge, like I'm, I'm, I feel like I'm the bridge to take, and really it's, I've talked about this with you. It's like, it's all about our direct experiences. If I can take the direct experience and own it for myself, not for anyone else, but if I can try to show you where the lessons are and where the challenges have been, maybe it'll give you the courage to start to, drop these ideas and beliefs and to just, you know, find out what your kind of experience is in your life. I guess my question to you is, do you absolutely love Trader Calyet? I have gratitude for him, but I don't love him yet. Yeah. Because I, 
I always feel like you've, you've still got to go back and you've got to love that, that guy and the way he was. And you've got to see him from now, from where you are now. And I feel like there's something about like really delving into that part of yourself, that, that place that you were and, and loving that, loving that part of that time, that place that in a strange way, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to integrate it more for you. Um, I don't know. I don't know why I, I get that hit, but I feel like he's got. Uh, when you love him, he'll bring he'll bring even more medicine to you. He's got. He's holding a lot of your medicine. He's holding a lot of your medicine. I guess that's what I'm saying. And until you really love him, as opposed to like he's the guy you were trying to transform away from. Until you really love him, he can't let the medicine come through this new instrument. You know. Um, and so it's, uh, it's something there. You're skipping Tell ahead. Tell me where I'm wrong. No, you're skipping ahead to the next track that I wanted to play. <laughs> oh, oh, okay. Sorry. But you know, DJ away. DJ no, away. But, you know, thank you for sharing that because that that is a, a point for me. And it's interesting. I got a direct message on Instagram a week or so ago from a guy that used to clerk for us. And, and he never traded for us, but he ended up trading in the trading pit for, he's still trading there now for 20 years. But he reached out and basically was like, fuck you, you know, you made my experience at, you know, WH trading a nightmare, da, 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 da. and you may think you changed, but I know who you will always be. And so I read that and I was like, yeah, I was, I could be a prick back then. But then I was like, the more I sat with it, and he's entitled to feel how he wants to feel, but I was certainly tough at times. And I could be intimidating. Um, and so it really, I tried to, it actually helped me look at who I was back then with some compassion. Like, I was scared. I was a scared boy. Um, I was really good at my job. And it wasn't like I was always scared. But when those things came out, that intimidation and stuff like that, I was just scared. Um, and so I guess that was maybe the first step in me starting to kind of commune with that part of me. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think it'll be, I think it'll be interesting work. Well, with that in mind, you know, we got you. What, what I, what I do want, I want to play the, I do want to play the other one first, just because it's been a question I continue to ask myself and it came through with the newsletter when I didn't do it. For a couple of weeks, I I've was supposed to supposed to two weeks ago was going to start doing a deep revision on my book, ten chapters. I was going to take one chapter per day for two business days, two weeks of business days, and get through it. And the book's about the same size of yours, so you can imagine it's it's manageable. I haven't cracked the manuscript, and I just tuned in that last week, and I was like, I, I just it's not, I'm not ready. I don't, even though I said I was going to do it. And I definitely went through that process of, come on, dude, you said you were going to do it. It's only a chapter, da, 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 but I, I let it go. And mm -hmm. so it was, it was a good step for me. Um, because I tuned into what I really wanted. And what I really wanted was to not spend time with it because it wasn't the right time. And so, now I'm going on this dieta, so it's going to be more time, and it feels like, oh, of course I'm not going to do it. This is, this is all about the book. This is for the book. 
This is yeah. for the, the learning. And so here's a clip from, I don't remember what episode it is, but it's from season one uh, when you're out in the bush. So basically the podcast, uh, that the, the clip that you're going to hear now is uh, every day what, when I was living in the tree for six weeks, I would do like a little, uh, <laughs> I'd do like a daily report. And that, that these were every day there was a different report. And this is where it was like nature was just giving me these like encounters, moments, insights. And, and that's what we're going to listen to now. And in, in, in it's and just to give everyone a little background, this, this was something my wife and I, Peyton, Peyton and I did every morning. I would make coffee and we'd sit down and listen to Boyd's kind of transmission from the tree. And it was so just beautiful and magical and so many people reached out to to me and her and said thank you for even talking about it because it's been part of their daily ritual. So if you haven't listened to it, amazing. You're that you're be thankful because now you can start from day one and just follow Boyd and don't. Just, I, my recommendation: do one day at a time. Just take in the medicine, sit with it, and then when you're done, we're going to talk about season two, which I, I don't even know how you got to another level, but you're on another level right now. <laughs> All right, without further ado, here's a little clip. And I'm certain we will buy more supplements. We will come up with systems that help you hack eating with an app that says eat less. We will add more adaptogens to our green juice. We will buy a machine that makes us cold. We will find a way to sell a sick-spirited people a way to feel better. But what we are looking for, to me, does not need that much gadgetry. Tonight, I want you to turn off all the lights and light a fire. Ask yourself, when did I feel most alive? When did I last know I was exactly where I was meant to be? How do I find the limit and go beyond it? Mm. I mean... First time I've heard that in a long time since I since I recorded it. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's. I mean, there's a lot in there, and and I, I recognize that with some other clips I pulled. I'm like, God, there's just so much that you could spend a whole podcast on just kind of unpacking all that in there. But give us give us maybe a little bit more background on, like, when you hear that now, what what are you reminded of? So it's it's kind of difficult to describe, um, but what I experienced out there in in that solitude, surrounded by that life, living by a river, living in a tree under the stars, lions roaring, I just felt so in my life, and you know I was living minimally. Um, I was living minimally, a little fire, a place to sleep, a little bit of food. And I have never felt so fully like, like life was just flowing into me. So I just saw how we, cre- we keep creating more layers between us and the actual experience of being alive. You know, we keep, we add more gadgetry, we add more systems. There's, there's, you know, the wellness industry in some ways is like helping us think about being well, but it's also like putting more things we have to do to be well. Um, it's adding, it's everything in our culture is an ad. There's always more to do. You could be more optimized. You could be, you could be doing more. Um, 
and we lose just the natural spirit of life that comes with um, waking up and letting the day unfold, that comes with being in a wild place, that comes with absolute simplicity and getting like really happy with your own company. Um, so I just feel like, I think I say, you know, the, our culture somewhere in there, I, I say something that I heard once, our, our culture is, is made up of a truth and a lie. And the truth is that on a cold night, a warm bowl of soup and a blanket will make things better. And the lie is that a thousand bowls of soup and a thousand blankets will make it a thousand times better. And so many of the people I speak to, and even I have felt it, and I live a pretty wild life, but this feeling that like you're in your life, but life is happening behind perspex. There's so many things between you and life. Um, and I guess being out there and just being that feral, being that wild, I just felt like I was so in life. It wasn't, it was never happening somewhere else. It was happening here. It was happening. I was, and this was another big thing that came through it. I felt, um, tan how do I describe it? I felt, I was in the felt experience of life. I was in the tangibleness of life. I, my body had to move across terrain. I had to get water out the river. I had to make a fire and get splinters in my hands. Um, I was cold at night without a blanket. Um, if a lion roared, I could hear him on the breeze. Um, if I didn't pay attention in the river, a crocodile could grab me. And I was, and inside of that like very felt experience of living, um, meaning, like meaning just started to arise. There was, it was just innately meaningful. And I think in a strange way, like our life is becoming something, you know, like you could spend a whole day trading and hundreds of things have happened, but nothing has actually happened, you know, in terms of like, Nothing has happened to your body. Nothing has happened to you. So I feel like part of the, the, this, the, this, the dissolving of meaning in our life is because we are losing tangible connections. The physical tangibility of living is becoming radically diminished. Um, so to try and get back into life uh, it becomes actually something that's quite important to move across the earth, to to be, to feel the sun on you, to feel your, the water on you, to be cold, to be warm, to be hungry, to that sort of stuff. Like, I don't know, it pulls you into life uh, in a way that just makes everything richer. Uh, and and, and, and I, it's not just physical. It's like to love, to be touched, to be free, to, to connect with people without a lot of pretense. Um, oh man, that, that's where the juice is. And I, I, I think it is an art form to remember that. And I think it is something that we are, we are forgetting. You know, one of the things that used to happen when I ran a lot of ceremonies is there was this moment that I was always waiting for in the ceremony. And if you had never been in a ceremony, it may sound absolutely wacky to you, but it's, it's late at night and people have been in the medicine for five or six hours. And now they're slowly coming out of it, but they've all been to a place together. They've been through a process together. They've been in something together. And now they're all just lying around and you'll see someone's arm is resting on someone who is a stranger six hours ago and someone's heads on someone else. And 
an old an older woman is holding a young woman who never had a mother and the archetype of the mother is right there and an older man is standing is sitting firmly with a younger man sitting just up against him and what you see is and it's dead quiet and they're all just there no one's trying to do anything there's just presence and and what i'm seeing in the in the physical connection in the activation of the archetypes in the presence of the feminine and the masculine i see like it always looks to me like a pride of lions all lying around in contact with each other and it's like we were meant to be we were meant to be animals we are you know we hairless apes we wild and when i see that i see people remembering how we were meant to be and yeah i i would say i'm sorry i'm on a tear here but the core of where my work is is to create spaces that help people remember how to be you know just remember how we were meant to be we were meant to be much closer to life much closer to each other uh, and then you know you just see people come out of those experiences with bonds like they didn't believe were possible and that then community becomes what starts to continue to help people remember how we were meant to be people. Yeah. And that resonates for me, uh, especially the physical touch, as you know, you've, you, especially you've been in this, this kind of energy down here in Austin and there's just such a community and tribe and, uh, a love that I didn't really know before. And, and I've feel like to your point earlier being the bridge, I've been able to, share that with you know largely like my brother is from chicago who we've yeah. stayed super close with my old trading buddies and the place that our relationship is as a group is is a place where i never thought i could ever get because i didn't know it was possible i didn't know it was there yeah. and you see like if you look at the the austin community like they have used the tools these technologies of nature including some of these substances but also just ceremonial spaces and together you have remembered a different way of being. And so it's, it, that's how ceremony teaches us. That's how the plants teach us. And then it becomes natural in life. And there's no point in a ceremony. A ceremony is a place to remember, to remember. And then as we come out into life, we carry that new way of being with us. And that's actually the point of it. Otherwise, it's self-indulgent. But when you come out of it and you become the sort of person who looks at another person, who can hold another person, who's not afraid to, to support someone who knows how to show up and provide presence. You learn all of that in ceremony and then it comes into life. And that is, that's why I'm so excited about what's going on in some ways in, in, in the arrival back of these old ways into life, because I feel like, man, we, without community, without tribe, without places to belong, to experience ourselves inside of belonging, well, then all we have is like Democrat or Republican, you know? These, like, these, uh, these other places where we can belong become empowered in ways they shouldn't. Oh, that's um, so... Because that's, that's a place to claim a tribe and a belonging. And, and that's why we need, we need a groundswell movement uh, of, those who, of those of us who just want to humanize and create a different structure of connections um, outside of the dominant structure. That's so interesting. I never thought about that, that if you, you, we, we all want to belong, we all want to belong. And if those are our only options, and sometimes that's people's only options, or 
it could even be just like honestly like being a sports fan of a team and i've recognized yeah. myself as i've gotten older and, and maybe it has less to do with age and just more about my own experience i've started to let go of those things because I, I recognize the tribalistic nature of it where i'm like, like hating people from others you know fan bases like what yeah like what's that all about and you don't need it as you start to belong more you know yeah. and it's not to say it's bad but like as you just start to be belong more to your own presence to to something that actually like really feeds you on deeper levels it, it definitely loses its like okay i'm gonna get into this other clip the shadow is the part of you that has never been allowed it's your dark twin a narcissistic bad even evil part of you that got stuffed away so you could belong it's your most unsocialized primal desires in there is biting and taking without asking it's the backside of years of being good so you could get a cookie but your shadow denied will run parts of you with unconscious force until you can meet it as a friend. I say this now because we're in the time of shadow and we must work in ourselves if we intend to work in the world. Your shadow, given a seat at the fire, becomes more self. It becomes strong boundaries. It becomes an unfuckwithable personal power. A person with a well-integrated shadow is not interested in being nice or liked they're interested in being true. And there can be a grace to a person who has found that dark in themselves. A compassion that can look at a tyrant or a weakling and know that that is in me too. But strangely, a person who has met their shadow stands up to tyrants and is able to ask for help where they are weak. Shadow tracking is for if you want to get to know yourself more deeply. It will liberate so much primal energy if you get to know that dark part of yourself. But to find the shadow, you must give up certainty and needing to know it and drift with a kind of open awareness. You could start by noticing the people who make you most mad and uncomfortable. They are most certainly holding your shadow. Pay attention to your resentments. See what you fantasize about. And notice where you are compulsive. Hold all of this in a vague, soft attention and awareness. That which we repress bursts out of us at strange time or runs our lives without us knowing it. Don't try to understand the shadow. Do not try to identify it outright. No, like a shadow tracker, drift in the half land where it lives. Become aware of it. Ask yourself. That person I can't bear, why can't I bear them? What's it trying to teach me? They're narcissistic, loud, self-centered. What are they holding so that I don't have to? That's usually the part of you that is somewhat repressed. You could ask your resentment. Resentment, what are you asking for? Rage, what do you want? Disgust, what do you need? Let the answer be truly uncensored and ugly. Allow that answer a place around your fire so that you can get to know those parts of yourself. As you drift towards the guarded outlines of your shadows with soft eyes and attention, you'll start to find themes. You may be annoyed at someone who always puts themselves first because you never do. 
until suddenly you explode and leave so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> I know that was a long clip and we don't have a lot of time, but I, I didn't know where to cut it off except that would seem like the perfect place. And that is from season two. Um, that's called shadow tracking. And there's there's way too much to go into there, but, you know... Man, it's, yeah, I'm kind of speechless because there's, all of it just made sense to me. And it's, even that, like, what are, what are they holding so that you don't have to? Like, oh my God, I never even, that's never occurred to me. And so... I know part of my work is to commune with Trader Cal, not just be grateful that he gave us all these, yeah. this financial freedom, you know, cause unfortunately that's where I usually land And that. I know that's yeah. just, that's not the work. Well, it may be a part of it, you know, it may not be all of it, uh, maybe a part of it, but, um, you know, if you go find him at your work at his worst, uh, and, and start having some dialogue with him, you know, what's going on with you? What do you So, I mean, the thing about the shadow work is that I'm trying to say there is like shadow work is critical to our journey. Um, as you start to build more energy, as you start to become more, you know, let's say you build more life force, you build more chi, you, you become more in your essence. Naturally, you will have to integrate more shadow uh, uh, as that goes along. It's almost like, the scope of your energetic and and your need to integrate shadow go together. Um, and that's a very strange psychological dynamic that I don't fully understand myself, but I'm aware of it. Um, and then again, you can't say like, no, I'm going to deal with my shadow. You just start putting awareness there. You start seeing like, what is that voice in your head? What is that? What are those fantasies? What is that rage? What does it want to say? Um, that, that rage that's held back. If it wasn't held back, where would it go? And, my friend, uh, amazing guy called Jim Dethma, who's a brilliant coach, um, he, he says, imagine once you start to get to know some of those darker parts of yourself, and you'll know them by paying attention, imagine they're around the fire with you. And let them speak. Let them have a place at the fire and just be the awareness of them. Um, and, you know, like you may notice there's this part of you that doesn't give a fuck about anyone else. It just wants what you want. Everyone else must get out the fucking way. There may be a part of you that like thinks about destroying certain relationships. There may be a part of you um, that just wants to win at any cost. There may be a part of you is usually some kind of sexual dynamic too, like a part of you that just wants to like take what you want. Uh, and the masculine has darker aspects. And I think men who are in the work, man, if you don't get to know those, then they, then they are in the unconscious. Um, and and when they're in the unconscious, then they, they burst out in ways that are, you, you suddenly realize like you have a rage problem around the house and you don't know where it comes from. Um, you find yourself involved in like texting with a woman you shouldn't be texting and you know it, but you fucking do it. You know, all these little things that creep into our lives, uh, they have more charge the more in shadow they are. Now, as you start to integrate them, as you start to give those places a voice, what it becomes when it becomes integrated is a kind of personal power. 
Um, so you, you know, the rage that just explodes around the house, um, integrated becomes you the sort of person who just says no and is never going to get bullied. Um, you know, because that energy is in you, but it's now in the right place. It's doing what it's meant to do. Um, it's toward, the, I've heard it be referred to as being towards resolution. Yeah, that's a really good way of saying it. There's a certain resolution to it. The, the, the uncontrolled sexual urge becomes uh, a relationship with your own ability to cultivate chi and your presence, you know, transformation of that energy into, into creativity. Uh, but it's, uh, this is all, these are the deep dimensions of the work. And it's just a, one of the ways to really start to know your shadow though is, is notice who you cannot bear because they are for sure. Like when you go in a room, notice who you have a physical reaction to, like uh, notice who you have a lot of judgment about because they are holding something for you. And, so, and, you, and you won't know what it is, but you've got to start saying like, like okay, what is it? Is, are they holding what I'd like to be? Are they holding what I actually am and can't own? Are they holding, um, are they holding like the neediness? Like for a long time, I had a thing with very needy people. Like if someone came over to me with a very needy energy, please, I need help. It just, I like couldn't bear it. And that's because there was a part of me that was, that I never allowed in my masculine role. That I, I was needy. It needed things. It was hungry for a certain kind of, like attention, it wanted someone to be nice to it, you know. It's, it's most of the childhood, it didn't get any food and it was beaten up, so it was like, Feed me, I need love. Um, and so that part of me was totally not allowed. And people who were like that or had a, had a softness and drove me crazy until I realized, like, okay, Boyd, guess what? You have needs, you got to work out what they are and start asking people to meet you in that softer place. I'm glad you gave that example because I was still, I, I feel like I was a layer away from like truly understanding it, but that, that makes perfect sense. That, that part of you is not allowed for all the no. programming that we've been, been yeah. that we've received. And some of the shadow is like, yeah, it's dark. It can be darker parts. Like I just want to, like the masculine shadow tends to be quite narcissistic. Like the dark masculine tends to be like, I will take, I will do what I want. Uh, I answer to no one. It's about me. Um, but another aspect of the masculine shadow is all of the patheticness that that we can't own in ourselves. The place, you know, like if you're honest with yourself. There's a place where you can be a little pathetic. You can be hurt. You can be petty. You can be, and and you know it's pathetic, and that's also in the shadow. You know, so it's not just like this. It's also like, you know. Oh yeah. Um, and, and then the feminine becomes like being able to be okay with the part of you that is pathetic and actually bring it into yourself and nurture it. Being okay with the part of you that is narcissistic and just letting it be there and holding it gently without fear or judgment or, you know, that's what the feminine holds it all and, and allows for it. I've heard, uh, you know, I've gone to a few of these five day silent retreats uh, with Ajishante, and one of the things he said in reference to self is picture yourself as a five-month-old baby in the corner. And we're like, what would you do? How would you care for that if that baby was crying, if that baby was hurt? Or And to use that same tenderness and love on yourself. And so I can I can see that connecting that to doing this work and just owning all those p- pathetic parts and... and it's really that's 
And for a three, an Enneagram three, like you, where the primary like drive of the three is to create value. Like I have, I have value to offer, you know, and, and that's where I would say to you like, um, and, and my value, like what value do I offer here? What am I going to do? How, what am I, what do I have to offer here? Like, I'm like, pick that baby up and look at that baby and tell me that it doesn't have value because it's not doing anything because it's not providing because it's not winning because it's not. And you know, it's that same kind of thing, right? It's like, a different encounter with what's truly valuable. And your sister, when Bron, when when I was on retreat, had asked me that. Do you feel like you need to do? Is she, what? What's her enneagram? Uh, she's a seven. Okay. She's like, what? Yeah. What do you feel like you do? You feel like you need to do something to add value, to be of service to people? And I was like, yeah. It's like, well, I feel that way too, and that's part of her work. And so you're speaking to that. One of the other things, and I know you got a role, but. What I particularly loved in that clip was this idea that like that fully integrated work, that person's not interested in being liked or loved. It's interested in truth. And that is just such, it's just, it's so subtle, but it's so deep and profound. It's that, that's, I think if that whole clip can be, for me, can be summed up in, one phrase it's like what what's what's the truth and can you stand in that and and that's i feel fully integrated when we can and then track the truth that's going to take you to the authentic life for sure thanks so much for having me man i and, love you brother uh, it's been awesome thanks for having me and and uh i look forward to our next gig on the on your on the workshop and please give my love to the austin crew you know i i had mm. such a great time with you all and you all made me so welcome and just all of you with such a great vibe down there. So I'm thinking of you all. Thanks brother. And where can people find you? Is there, is there anything, is there any way they can work with you individually? Are you doing any of that work? Like I know people have reached out to me about it. Yeah, not right now, not individually right now. Um, but I'm hoping to get some group work going, uh, next year in America and that'll be the place to do it. And then, yeah, the, the podcast, 40 Days and 40 Nights, Season 2, Exploration of the Sacred, um, Lion Tracker's Guide to Life is still uh, on sale, uh, boydvati.com. And yeah, I'm just trying to put out, you know, i got nowhere to go. I'm out here in the woods. So I'm just trying to, trying to send nature and the frequency of nature out to as many people as possible. Do, do you have a spot picked out for your, your uh, work here in, in the States? Uh, you know, actually, uh, Austin's definitely on the on the list. Um, well, we're we're we talk about that. We have a place that we're gonna put a uh, we may purchase, and it's yeah, it's magic. I'm, magic. I'm coming. I'll send it to you to I'm take coming. a look at it. Yeah. Awesome. Okay. Cool. I'd All love right. That. Love you, brother. Take care. Thanks so much for having me on the show. Cheers, buddy. All right. Later. You've been listening to the Great Unlearn. For more information please check out the show notes or head on over to thegreatunlearn.com for additional episodes and information regarding events and retreats. If you liked what you heard today, click subscribe and share this with friends that might enjoy our platform. Please leave a five-star rating in iTunes as this really helps us spread our message. You can find me on Instagram,